0: Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. I know I say I'm excited every time, but I really am. (laughs) Today, our guest is my friend, Amy Sherman. Now, I have to tell you something. This is a little bit of an intro for a couple of minutes, for a minute or two, and then Amy's going to introduce herself and tell us what she's been up to. I met Amy years ago at Camp Blog Away. Seriously, Amy, is that 10 years ago, 12 years ago? And so Camp Blogway was for bloggers. So bloggers were just really, I mean, it, blogging's been around for even longer than that, but people were so under, excited. They were bloggers and they, uh, they were gonna be recipe developers and they were gonna be TV stars and they were gonna be cookbook authors and they were gonna do just a million things. And in all of that, and it was wonderful. And a lot of them have, I, but in all of that one year, Amy stood up and talked about writing, but really what she talked about was building a business out of blogging or writing or whatever, but she gave business principles. Now at other business conferences, that would be a norm. Do you know what I mean? Not unusual, but in blogging, people didn't know where it was going. They hadn't thought that it was a business. Do you know what I mean? So that's why so many people got into it and so many people got out of it. But To me, of all the people that spoke at Camp Logway, and I think I don't remember how many years I did it, four or five years, I was a speaker every year. I thought Amy was a beacon of light because she seemed to be the only person that was like saying, hey, we'll need to make this into a business. Because how do you make money if you don't have a little structure of business? Okay, so Amy, after
1: that lengthy introduction, thank you for being here today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, there was a lot of happy talk back then. (laughs) You know, it was um, how great everything was and there wasn't a lot of truth telling. And I think you and I were in the camp of telling people the truth, some of whom didn't want to hear the truth. Um, And some of it and then some people did. Some people really took to it. But I think especially at that time blogging was the new kid on the block. And there were a lot of people doing a lot of things for free, which was something that you and I felt strongly about that doing things for free is um, really not good business sense. And that blogging is an opportunity to own your own platform. But it doesn't mean that just because you're doing something you choose to do that everyone has a right to take your time, your resources, your content, and just repurpose it and make money off of it when you're not even making money off of it. So um, I think that was, you know, that was earth shattering back then. Now I think it's kind of, people understand that, but at the time it was, it was kind of a big deal. Um, People didn't think of blogging and business in the same sense, you know and yet they were working. Do you see what I'm saying, Amy? And I like you.
0: I just kept thinking, how sustainable is it if you can't get paid for your job, <laughs> okay? If you're spending hours testing recipes and talk and writing. Now, all those things, by the way, the more you do them, styling, recipe testing, writing, I think most people improve. So it's been a wonderful breeding ground for some really talent, do you know what I mean? And I certainly, um, but I, I watch you because I always think of that day. And I'm not kidding you, Amy. I think me and like five other people, Patty Laundrie, probably one of them, understood what you were saying. and The rest of them were still like going, I got a case of avocados. <laughs> or, or I wrote, you know, I did 60 recipes last week and I got a 10 pound bag of potatoes. And I remember... You were like a beacon to me because I knew that I always, when I spoke, I just thought, Denise, don't be a downer, but I was trying to say to people, and the reason, me, and this is why I watch you and I'm so proud of you and I want you to tell us what you're doing today, it's because women have been notoriously underpaid in food anyway. Do you see what I'm saying? Always always when i first joined icp the president of icp the vice president these are women that wrote one cookbook every two years do you know what i mean and beautiful cookbooks i'm not saying anything they were beautiful but they didn't support themselves they didn't even they didn't even make enough money to put braces on their kids teeth for a year do you know what i mean they didn't it was so women in food as a profession to me has always been grossly underpaid. I don't care if you're a stylist, a, a, a recipe tester, a writer or something. It's, you know,
1: men in the restaurant business make plenty of dough. You know, it's interesting that you bring this up because I was just a guest on um, in a class actually about food writing and it was over Zoom, of course, and it was in Florida, and there were various writers, some were journalists, some probably were creative writers, but they were interested in food writing in some way, shape, or form. And of course, someone asked the question, because I'm new, because I'm just starting out, should I approach publishers? Should I charge less? For my work in order to, to, you know, establish myself. And I just, I could just, the steam was just coming out of my ears. I was so furious. And I said, this is a question that only women ask. No man ever, ever has asked, should I charge less for my work? it just doesn't happen. It doesn't even enter their little pea brains to think maybe I should demean myself in order to be, you know, more acceptable. And I, 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 at first ranted and raved that, you know, of course it was a woman asking this question, but also that, you know, your, your value is your value. And it's not determined by whether you're new or you're old or you're young or you're skinny. It, it's, it's, it's the value of your work. And if you don't start by valuing your work, who is ever going to value it? If you start by making excuses and saying, well, you know, maybe you could pay me less, that, that does not a way to sell you. No one hires someone because they're cheap. And if they do, that's the last person you want to work for. Thank you. If they're hiring you because you're cheap, that's that's a red flag don't go for it. it um, you know, I'm not saying you have to charge, you know, an insane amount of money, but charge what you're worth. And if and if you want to do work, if you feel like you don't have enough work or experience that's what a blog is for. Don't take less money. Start a blog, get a portfolio going and, and create content, show, you know, get some practice, use a blog as practice space and, and as something that you're proud of. But don't be giving your work away for somebody else to make money off of. That's ridiculous.
0: Now, young lady, speaking of a job and your career, and I know how much it's grown and I know you've done lots of things, you have to fill us in on what you're doing right now and how you juggle doing different writing (laughs) assignments, because it's a juggle. and And I really say this, Amy, because women, we have all age women that listen to this podcast. We have 40 and 50 and 60s and older. But I know this, sometimes the best time for a woman to start a blog, in my opinion, or start a writing career is when she's older and she's retired and she's not under the gun to really produce, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's hopefully she has a little bit of money stashed or social security or a rich husband <laughs> or her parents died and left her a fortune, something that would help benefit her life. But, you know, how have you done it? I've seen your career grow. And what have you, how have you done it? It's not easy.
1: Yeah. Well, I've been self-employed for most of my career. Before I was even in the food world, I was I, I was self-employed. I, I guess I'm in the does not play well with others camp. So I, I, I do better if I'm my own boss or if I have a boss that gives me a whole lot of rope to just let me do my own thing and doesn't breathe down my neck. Um, so... Getting involved in this world, in this industry, has been great for me because there is such variety. There's recipe development, there's writing, there's marketing, there's social media, and I enjoy the variety. I have limited attention span, I guess, or patience, and I I like the variety. Being able to spend one day in the kitchen, one day at my desk, another day out, meetings, doing things, it just keeps it more interesting and fresh for me. I I know there are people who specialize and they really focus on one thing and they get really good at it and they're able to charge more money doing it. I've never put all my eggs in one basket. I've always had lots and lots of baskets and lots and lots of juggling. And I try not to overcommit, but I do really like doing different things. And, um, and with the market, it's just good to stay flexible because you don't know what kind of work is going to be most lucrative is going to be most, um, um, you know available. I mean sometimes there there are times when there's a lot of editorial work, sometimes it all dries up. Sometimes there's a lot of corporate recipe development work sometimes. I've gone a year, two years with no corporate recipe development. If I just did that, that would be it would be really hard. Um, so I I really enjoy having the flexibility to do lots of things, but I know it doesn't work for everyone.
0: I think you just said so many great tips and here's the reason to do do. After the first really horrible economic meltdown, I mean, I've been through like fourteen recessions in my freelance career. I can remember all of them. But in two thousand and eight, I, you know, I, I'd been in business for at least fifteen years, fifteen or twenty years. We were making money. Cindy was there. It was all good. Well, we had to diversify, Amy, because the economy had tanked to, in, in no uncertain terms now when i look at the economy and when i look at with this pandemic i think the way to still work at whatever age you are and stuff during the pandemic is by being diverse i think if you're only doing i don't know that it's sustainable anymore do you know what i mean if really i think because everyone does do different things now not everyone but some people Honey, as a food stylist, I saw it in, after 2008, I knew that Cindy and I had to do more recipes. We had to get more corporate clients. Do you know what I mean? We couldn't just be pure food stylists because that market was changing drastically. Do you know what I mean? And the market had changed. So all of a sudden, not just food styling had changed, but food photography had changed because now people wanted to do both jobs they wanted to be their own photographer and stylist and we started seeing this in our workshops and I thought why would you want to be the photographer <laughs> having never done that yeah. but you really have to keep your eyes open do you know what i mean to freelance and look for new for new things so tell me about the you are an online executive editor of an online magazine i didn't even
1: right that. right so as a writer I think um, some writers enjoy editing and some don't enjoy editing. There are probably a lot fewer editor roles than there are writing roles. I was lucky. I got a chance to be an editor and work with the prior travel editor at Gourmet Magazine. And William Surtle And it was a fantastic opportunity for me. It was for one of those deal sites that came and went. Um, but the writing experience and learning how to be an editor was, was terrific. And I really enjoy it. And it's also, as a writer, I'm so often at the mercy of <laughs> editors that I, I know what it's like to suffer under an editor. I, I really do. And I want to be that editor that everybody loves, that makes their life easier, that treats them well, that makes their work better, um, that's understanding and patient and and honestly is kind. And every writer has, has a, a fragile ego to some degree, unless they're just a complete, you know, egomaniac, horrible person everyone doubts themselves as a writer and to have an editor who encourages you and supports you and you know is kind to you is just one of the most precious things so an opportunity came up last year during the pandemic Uh, you know a lot of my work dried up and sure enough other work presented itself and i had done some work i'll tell you the backstory of kind of how this happened I had done some work for a PR person, helping her write some press releases and articles and things like that. Not bylines you wouldn't see my name on anything, but I did a lot of work and she recommended me to the publisher and the publisher hired me. So I was the editor, founding editor of the uh, Cheese Professor, which is a publication for trade professionals as well as enthusiasts and after a few months, I was also hired to take over his other site, The Alcohol Professor. So it's a lot to juggle, just those two sites. And I'm still doing some freelance writing. I'm still doing some corporate work. so you know, I'm, I'm juggling a lot, but I really am enjoying the editorial. Um, and I, I wrote a big rant recently for, uh, for uh, Diane Jacob for her blog about how to work with an editor, because now I'm kind of seeing it from the other side. But, but it's been, again, it, you, you never know, when I started a blog, it was a hobby, it wasn't a career, it was just for fun. It was only when it gained some actual national attention that I thought, whoa, maybe I have some capabilities here that I should focus on. And started to transition into a career in food and it took several years it wasn't like i just flipped the switch one day and now i'm just i'm so happy to have a variety of different clients and things that i do and opportunities and um and and it's just you know the perseverance we talked about this before but just sticking with it and and looking at what's going around and and being a good person you know Denise, I I think about another experience we had, a press trip years ago with some influencers. And man, there were some nasty girls in that group. They were not nice people. They were just really unpleasant. And I thought, you know, eventually this is gonna bite you in the you know what, because you have to be nice. If, If you're nasty to people and snobbish and cliquish, eventually someone will be in a position to either hire you or showcase you or be good to you. And if you've burned bridges with people that you thought were unimportant on, unimportant on the way up, you will find out on your way down um, what, what that's all about. So anyway, that's just my recollection of, of I, some time I, that we spent together. <laughs>
0: I have to recount one or two things you said. One, you talked about, uh, and, and we've had Diane Jacobs on, so when that newsletter, if she hasn't published that one yet, we'll probably, put that on The Woman Beyond. There's so much good information. You wanting to be a kind and thoughtful editor is wonderful because I don't know when it became adversarial. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the job of an editor to me when I first started out was to, they would help me become a better writer. Do you know what I mean? And I had that. I had several women in my, I hadn't been published yet. Irina Chalmers was one of them. She read my work and she said, oh no, you're going to get there. You're just not there yet. Do you know? And she said, write more, keep practicing, learn where the the comma goes. You know what I mean? It was dry. Now, and you also talked about someone you'd already done business with helped you get this new job, which is, we've talked about that. One of the things that happens, in is being able to talk to other many successful women at all different ages in Women Beyond is the stories and the messages repeat themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? They repeat themselves. Perseverance, um, learning your craft. I mean, you know, but the, when we were on that press trip and I I can't say anymore, Amy <laughs> and I, we, and there were a couple of lovely women that we all hung out together. We all kind of hung out. Yes. But there were two or three, it, they were influencers. We didn't call them that yet, I don't think. I had never heard of them. And there was one that was young and particularly annoying. Do you remember she, and Amy oh, is, yeah. uh, Amy's background, Amy is taking copious notes. I mean, I think Amy's doing shorthand. She's And that little, Beyond, she leaned over and kind of said, to Amy, can I have your notes? Do you remember that? And you, <laughs> said, oh, you were so intense. I don't even know if you, she didn't want to take the notes. She wanted Amy's notes. Then she wanted to know if they she can get a transcript from like the farmer. I mean, the child just wanted to use other people's work and repackage it on her blog. And I remember at that moment thinking, God, I hope this isn't, the sign of the entire industry, do you know what I mean? But in that moment, Amy, there were several of them. I wonder if they're still around, I don't know. I literally never learned their names. And of course you said, and talk about Clicky and after that little creature was, the creature was trying to get her hands on your notes. I mean, I never really made eye contact with any of them again because I thought, don't get, don't make eye contact with me because I'll rip your throat out. You know what I mean? Because I'm a bitter old crone and I, I, I don't like your business practices. That was quite an inter. That was a very interesting thing. I'd be curious to know if they went on to more success. Do you know what I mean? Or, in fact, so it's the thing about perseverance. And that's and in writing and what in editing and what you've done the other thing is amy you gotta back it up with some talent okay you have to be you need to be to be a successful writer you need to be good at it and if you don't know the difference between good writing or bad writing you know what I mean? Because you haven't read enough or you haven't studied or you haven't taken courses or you haven't listened to feedback from people, you can't improve. But, you know, I know, I know. And now do people submit articles to you? Do you call people and ask them for an article?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, Being an editor-in-chief, not just an editor, but really in charge of the whole site and and everything that goes up on it, it's, it's quite an interesting responsibility because part of it is developing a stable of writers sure. and determining who you wanna work with and how you're gonna work with them and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And it's interesting to me because especially the Alcohol Professor, I inherited the site from another editor. So I see some stories, they look great. I think, okay, I'm gonna work with this writer. I reach out to the writer, we have some conversations. They don't turn the stories in on time. They try to negotiate for more money after we've already agreed on a price. I mean, just, and I think you cannot tell from reading someone's work, what they are like to work with. And the bottom line is, You have to do good work. That's just cost of entry. You can't get by without doing good work. But then you have to be a good person to work with. And you have to develop your abilities to be a good person to work with, to understand what it is to do, to work with other people in whatever capacity, whether they're clients or coworkers or subordinates, you have to learn those things. And I think, you know, the Me Too phenomenon movement is, a very good example of people who never learned the right way to work with others, to play nicely, um, to be respectful of people. Um, they thought they could get away with that behavior forever. And, and thankfully, there was a day of reckoning. But even when it doesn't have to do with with discrimination, it just has to do with how do you treat other people, you know, on both sides of the equation? How do you do a good job? And, and how do you constantly improve? You know, it's one thing when you're in school and you have teachers and you have report cards, but in life we don't get report cards. We don't have people telling us, Oh, this is what you need to do better. or Here's an area for improvement. And um, it's really hard. I mean, I think it's good to ask you know, ask other people, you know, you say you like my writing or my work or whatever, where do you think I could use some improvement? Where should I, what should I be doing better? Um, Because, because we all need to improve and we don't always see those areas um, where we need, where we need to, to, to get better. Do
0: you take submissions? If someone went to your site Um, and they had just come back from France, and they'd learned something about some wonderful cheese. Would you be interested in this, if they sent you a good query lesson, letter? Amy, would you read it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I have a stable of writers, but I am always open to new pitches. If someone, the, the way to go about it is to email me at one of the publications, either one, either editor at she's professor or editor at Alcohol Professor, and ask me for the guidelines because I have like 10 page guidelines that outline specifically what we're looking for, what we're all about. I even put an example of a really good pitch in each of the set of guidelines so that you can read it and see what I'm looking for. and then, um, yeah, and then I'm, I'm open to different ideas, but definitely familiarize yourself with the site, look at it. If you think you have an idea that you think is a fit, um, contact me, check out the guidelines and then then kind of take it from there.
0: This is again, and a guess we were just speaking to, Amy before you, my friend, Leslie Comet. As she's, she and I talked about, and this still plays into our perseverance, If you don't do that. Now, I love that you've made such wonderful guidelines. That's just smart for both of you. Do you know what I mean? That's all it is. It's a time saver for you and for someone who. But if you don't try, you can't succeed. You know, it's so simple. It's not how many home runs you um, hit. It's how many times you get up to bat. I mean, I love that because I was a Willie Mays. As a child, I remember uh, Willie Mays was just the biggest hero to me. And I would go to the Giant games because he struck out. People forget how many times Willie Mays struck out, do you know what I mean? Or was out on first. But that guy, he approached that, the baseball that he approached every game like he was going to win that day. And that's what I remember about it. It was just inspiring to me as a little girl who, by the way, in those days, wasn't allowed to play on the baseball team. Not that I was any good, but I couldn't even be on a baseball team. So I I think that what you're saying is absolutely. um, And it reminds me, Amy, Amy, of of a time when people, when editors and writers worked together to make a winning team. Do you know what I mean?
1: That's a big deal. I always respond to pitches and to emails, even if it's to say no, thank you. And the number of editors that I write for who don't respond to my emails, to me, that's the most shameful thing. It's really outrageous. I mean, I... Bad enough to not respond to someone that you don't know, but to not respond to someone who you know, who's I done know. good work for you. What is that about? I mean, I don't care how busy you are. You are not too busy to send an email that says, sorry, no. That's, I was, sorry, no, two words. Now and, and it doesn't happen. So another thing that reminds me about that that early era of blogging and I think it was a camp blog away that I met someone who didn't yet have a blog and she was spending hundreds of dollars to go to a blogging conference but did not start a blog and she was looking for advice and I said why have you not started a a blog I hear you you know you it's free (laughs) You can start it. You have to try. You have to get out there and hit the ball. You can't just be pussyfooting around the edges, going to conferences and taking classes. You have to just jump in the water and do it. It's online. You can delete it if you don't like it. But it's really important to put yourself out there and just do it. I
0: think fear is the biggest. Most of the time, we don't even know when we're afraid. I mean this for everyone. Amy Jane. People, oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I have to work. Oh, when I retire. Oh, I'm not ready. Oh, I have enough money. Oh, I don't have enough money. I mean, we all make it a millions excuse. Oh, I'm not that good. Oh, I, I'm not as good as she is, or I don't know this, or I never got an A in, you know, algebra or whatever. But basically, it's just that people are afraid. They're afraid of failure. They don't even know that they're afraid of failure. Do you know what I mean? They couldn't, it's like anxiety around them. And we get them in our little food selling handbook group, some lovely women who ask us questions like, what camera lens should I get? What, what, and they're asking our cousin, they haven't even made a pie yet to take a picture of. Do you know what I mean? And I, and we kind of talk them down off the ledge. And many times I'll say, what do you want to accomplish? Why don't? Do you don't even know if you'll like photography? Go to work. Do you know what I mean? Go to work in a photography student studio for a few bucks a day and see if you like it. Do you know what I mean? Because if photography can be one of the most boring things to me, the reason I love styling is I'm always busy. Do you know what I mean? We're always busy doing stuff, but the photographer has to just stand there and kind of wait for us. I've always thought the photography was nasty. I wouldn't want to get involved in it, but I know it's a, it, it, we're all different. Now, Miss Amy, what are three things? Now, in COVID, here's during our pandemic, How Cindy wanted to ask you this, and she, Cindy's muted herself so we don't hear her because she cackles at the funny things we say, or, or sometimes I know she's rolling her eyes thinking, don't go there, bitch, do not go there, bitch, with a question that I'm asking. How in this difficult, and it's hard to do business during COVID, I don't care what anybody says, I mean, it's harder to do business. Um, and people are hurting for money and stuff. How do you stay self-motivated? Amy, so we talked about perseverance and wanting to
1: succeed. But how do you stay self-motivated? Well, I think think you have to lower your expectations. I, I think this is really important. And it's not just professionally, it's personally as well. This is a really, really tough time. There's a lot of stress. Everybody is suffering from it. We may have good days. We may have great days. But the background stress of what is happening in the world, it takes a toll on everybody. And there are days that you just don't have it in you. There are nights that you can't sleep. There are times when it just really makes things more difficult and beating yourself up and, you know, making yourself feel bad and giving yourself extra deadlines and pressure. I just don't think that's healthy or Helpful, I think you have to forgive yourself. I think you have to every once in a while just say, You know, I don't have it in me today, tomorrow will be a better day, and just again, perseverance. It isn't about every day giving a hundred percent, it's about doing the best you can do and recognizing what is you're capable of and, um, and, and being kind to yourself. Really,
0: I think that's. I think you that was an, a lot of good information, and I'll tell you, Amy. I don't think because I'm not an, I'm not having to work any longer. I'm still working on projects with Cindy, and we do stuff, but I don't have this. I'm not. Um, I don't have the same payroll set up. Do you know what I mean? I don't have the same pressures that I used to have, or or clients who change their mind fifteen times in a day. Do you know what I mean? I mean that's gone away, and yet. Some, it's this low fog of the pandemic. I think sometimes I get up, I've made the routine, Amy, it's been, I get up. I do social media for an hour or two. I read the New York Times. I have a cup of tea. I put on lipstick. I get dressed. The lipstick is incredibly important to me. (laughs) It, It means I'm alive. It means I can breathe. Then I walk my dogs. Then I go into my office for an hour. Then I go in my garage, which is what I like to just, it's crafts or, you know, whatever I'm working on, stupid stuff. Sometimes nothing. Sometimes I'm just tinkering with things. But I have found... And I'm then I can procrastinate writing, like no one's business. Amy, I'm a. Ma- I could teach a class on how to procrastinate <laughs> when you have a deadline. But all I'm saying is this: it is. It's difficult. But some days I'm really good and I'm on top of it. And then some days I think, oh no, oh no, 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 I'm going to have my glass of wine at three o'clock. Do you know what I mean? And watch Netflix because I today's not a day I can pull it off. So then you know I reprioritize my list of things to get done. But I think it's a very difficult time.
1: I, yeah, I, think- I was hearing about um, a, a program on the radio about long haul COVID survivors who are dealing with brain fog and just the inability to remember things and the fuzziness. And, you know, most of the symptoms are gone, but that has really stuck with them and how hard it is and how, how, um, what a challenge it is to, to get back to normal when you have this brain fog. And I thought, you don't have to have had COVID to have brain fog. I think all of us are suffering from some degree of brain fog of days where, you know, it's blur day. You don't know what day it is. You don't know what time it is. You, you, just, you just feel disoriented from the lack of normalcy. And the longer it goes on, um, the weirder it gets. No, I don't even know that we
0: have any of us are really being able to anticipate what it's how long. What's, what are the long-term results of this? Do you see what I'm saying? It's not, it, it's bigger than I think most of us know right now. I certainly feel that way. And I know because you, and I know because of me, I miss going places because that's how I like to recharge. So I go in, I remember once I was in Honolulu, this is so funny. I was in Honolulu, gotten off one of the Holland America ships. I'd been teaching for a couple of weeks and it was Chinese New Year. And I took a picture of one of the signs of a restaurant. I think I was photographing the dragon, but he was moving so fast. And you responded and I had just posted it. And you said, oh, I love that place. It's like my favorite dumpling restaurant or that's one of my favorite restaurants in Honolulu. And I know for me, not being able to go anywhere. I, I mean, people say, oh, I miss my friends. Of course, I miss my friends, but I text and I, you know, we zoom and stuff, my dearest friends. Do I miss my family? Of course, I miss my family, but I can go one Christmas without them. Do you know what I mean? We just we talk on the phone a lot. My sisters, I love them. But going places, that's what I miss. I want to go somewhere. I want breakfast in bed. I want different sheets. I want it. You know what I mean? I want a fancy drink that costs 18 bucks in a bar and a restaurant. And I'm not going to complain because I want that glass. I mean, there's, that's what I miss. And I know that that feeling, will we ever get there again, is sometimes booming in the back of my mind.
1: Yeah, the other thing, I, I miss all those things. I also miss the serendipity of just bumping into people. You know, I, in San Francisco, where I'm based, I would typically go to events. Three, four, five times a week, I would go to events having to do with my profession. And just seeing my colleagues, seeing my friends, seeing people, that was just gave me pleasure. I never knew who would be at an event and seeing them made me happy and not bumping into people, not seeing them. it just just takes its toll. It just makes me sad. And here's something funny. 2020, I started off the year with this great project where um, these uh, designers in the food industry um, uh, from overseas actually wanted to learn about food trends. And they hired me to take them around San Francisco for a day, showing them some of the leading edge examples of great food marketing retail shops concepts and I had such a great time and it was such a fantastic experience and I thought this kind of leverages a lot of things and this is going to be my year for (laughs) travel and consulting and oh my gosh I wrote this thing on LinkedIn I think about how what 2020 was going to be all about I mean I haven't gone back to look at it but I'm sure it would just have me in in you know in a pile on the floor, if I read it now, I mean, the best laid intentions, you know, you, you, you think you know what you're doing and where you're going, and you just have to stay flexible. Um, and I think there's so many of those little things that we miss. I, I, I'm the same way I, I stay in a lot of hotels normally throughout the year. And I just miss checking into a hotel and having a view and having someone clean up after me. I and- love hotel rooms. I have said this before. Even not very nice
0: hotel rooms. I still don't have to make the bed. But when you're in a really luxurious hotel, oh. and you put on the robe and there's a deck. Oh, come on. That's how you
1: know you're living. Yes. <laughs> And a, and, a, and a really big bathtub that you don't have to clean all of it. And of course I yeah.
0: traveled for work a lot alone, Amy. And I love it when my husband would travel with me. But to be perfect honest, when you travel alone, I didn't there's no dogs to feed. There's no, you don't think, oh, are you okay? Or should I get anything for you? You You're just, it's all about me. And i to be honest with you. I was totally comfortable with that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I could use a little of that. Yes, I think it'll be interesting to see what comes next when people are able to feel that they can travel safely. Certainly, the vaccine is going to make people feel better, I hope, um, when we've all been vaccinated. So what are you looking forward to, Amy, now, besides your vaccine? What are you looking forward to professionally?
1: Well, I mean, I do hope that I get a chance to travel again at some point. I don't know what that's going to look like. I think the whole travel industry will really be transformed. I think that we're going to beat COVID, but other things are going to come down the pike. This is the, la- not the not the last time. It is not the first pandemic, and it won't be the last pandemic. Okay. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to start thinking differently about how we travel and how we interact with other people, all of that is going to transform. And hopefully some of it is for the better. Um, So we need to think about that. And I'm just really enjoying having these websites that are my babies, you know, where I get to sort of grow them and and build them and it's 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 a lot of work but i'm looking for I'm, I'm always thinking about how can i improve them and and what can we do and 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 a lot of the the social causes and things that i really care about i'm able to um i'm able to make the kinds of decisions that i i want um you know so many times i was told by editors you know that story is too niche or it's not it's not not going to be not the kind of thing we're looking for. Can you make it broader? Can you make it, you know, can you dumb it down basically? And yeah. now I'm in a position where I don't have to dumb it down. I can, I can go for the obscure stories and I love seeing the positive response to it. I love seeing that people say, I didn't know that there was cheese being made in Vietnam or, you know, just these, you know, how people in India are using um, local ingredients or, or just, just interesting stories from people that in the past, um, and, and sometimes I'll see writers, especially online, saying, oh, I'm dying to write this story and no one wants it. And, you know, does anyone have any suggestion? And I am I love being the fairy godmother and being able to say, I'll take that story. Um, as an example, I had a story, a, a sort of an interesting one, It's really all about just finding the right place for something. But there was a writer who wanted to write an obituary for a cheesemonger in New York who was much beloved, and no one wanted the story. And she was just, she said, you know, he, he was so important, and he touched so many people's lives, and I really just want to honor him with the story. And I said, sure, I'll take it it was one of the most popular stories on our website okay. now because you to he, go and find it and read yeah, because, it <laughs> because he really did have a following and he did touch a lot of lives and people learned about his passing from that story and shared it a lot and you know these days we're sort of in this era of you know these niches these micro influencers and things and um I hope it opens things up. I hope it, it allows those small niche stories and things to really come to life and, and let us do more than just play, paying lip service, you know? And also it's
0: more, I love the story. Now I'm going to have to go to the website <laughs> and read that, that sounds And you know what, Amy? It's more than just selling something. See, one of the things I, my, I mean, and that's what food stylists have done for years, we sell stuff. But it wasn't just, um, it was a lifestyle. It was the chef. It was Martin Yan's cleaver. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we were always selling something, but you in the olden days, it was about stuff that no one knew anything about. So it was exciting. Do you know what I mean? I remember when I worked at PBS and Martin Yan got that, found, was importing those cleavers and he sold them for $10 a piece. Do you know what I mean? It was so reasonable. People didn't even, didn't know what it was. I mean, the the vast majority of people. So I think that what you're doing is admirable. And I think anytime that we can educate each other besides doing our jobs, we're better off, that's all. Better off for ourselves, better off for our, our culture, better off for our society.
1: Yep, telling stories, um, shining a light on marginalized people who have not had the opportunity to tell their stories. I hope that that's sort of a long-term thing. I hope it's not a flash in the pan. It's, I, I hope so. I mean, I know for it is for me. It's not something. You know what's funny? I was talking to my husband about Black History Month and Women's History Month, and I said. I, I don't want to be pandering, I, you know, I care about those issues all year round. I'm looking for, for minority voices all year round. I'm looking to shine a spotlight on women. It's not just February or March or whatever, um, you know, well, and I, uh, I, I hope that's, I hope that sticks.
0: Well said, I think that's absolutely perfect, Amy. It's not just a month, it's all year. Thank you. Well, my darling, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanna share with me? I think this was just, the time went so quickly because it was interesting. Wasn't this interesting, Miss Cindy? I'm waiting for Cindy in her little box to tell me yes. But I think it was fascinating, Amy. And I'm so proud of you because I know how much you per- persevered and it's just not easy. That's all you know. I say to people. And um, a dear friend the other day, on facebook said to me but denise you always work so hard and blah 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 and that's true and she said and why and i said because i had a payroll and i didn't mean it as a flippant thing once cindy came to work with me and then and she started her own business and everything i'm not making it flip on cindy But I'm just saying, once I had to pay people's invoices on every two weeks basis, I got better at my entire job because I had someone that I had, it was my accountability. Because when someone gives you an invoice for $3,500, you got to have the money to pay it, don't (laughs) you? So it made me more accountable for my own time and for my own production and my own sales. Because I had, I used to always say the same thing, I got birds to feed. Do you know what I mean? But that's really, it made it a difference to me, and you know, I, I'm
1: grateful that I, I'm grateful I could do it. It's what I, you know, I wanted to do it, and I did it. Well, and I think you know, thinking about the theme of your show, I think that does come with age. I think that's one of the benefits of age. I think that's a very hard thing to develop when you're really very young and you're still trying to figure out who you are and what you're all about you may take responsibility here and there, but to have that really broad view and big picture outlook um, and feel that sense of responsibility, I think that's something that, that comes with age. And it's, you know, there's, there's not, it's always a struggle to find the things about aging that we really like and love <laughs> and, and are appreciative of when there are so many things that we don't appreciate about it. Um, but for me, that's, that's definitely one of the things that I appreciate about being of a certain age. Um, is, 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 is exactly what you're talking about.
0: Another dear friend who's just beautiful, only early 40s something, very young to me. And she made a comment about a bad haircut. And all I wrote, and I was, I just said, you're lucky you're not bald. Because she's this beautiful young woman. And she laughed. And she wrote me back. She goes, I love your perspective. I said, honey, at my age, you wake up in the morning and you're still walking. And you've still got hair and you got your own teeth. You're hanging down. <laughs> you're all over it. It's a good morning. Thank you, yep. Amy so much for coming today. Now tell us again, I know how they can reach you. You said editor, but where does it go to, to read any of these wonderful articles? Is it the cheeseprofessor.com? Yeah,
1: right. So cheeseprofessor.com and alcoholprofessor.com. Those are the two sites. Um, And then cooking with Amy is my blog, but it's also where you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram. And I'll share links to other things that I'm writing here and there. I'm still 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 doing writing for for magazines and websites and other things as well so
0: Cindy puts all the information up, honey, so that way people can reach out to you, so people will know where to find you, and I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Miss Cindy. Thank you, Amy, for making this time today. It was absolutely wonderful, and thank you, everyone that was listening, and if you have any questions, of course, you can email us at womenbeyond@icloud.com. at icloud.com. A lot of people want to private message us because they don't want to ask a question out loud, and that's fine, too. But if I don't like them, I'll expose them later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, honey, thank you so much, Amy. This I just feel like I, I'm energized after hearing what you've been doing. It's during this pandemic. How did we, we? Thank God for Zoom. That's what I say all the time. I say it to Cindy. I say it to my husband. I say it to friends. Thank God for Zoom. Got to make
1: make the best with what we've got.
0: (laughs) Thank you, ladies. Goodbye.